One of the greatest verses of Scripture is our memory verse that you have memorized this week. And Ephesians chapter 2 is talking about that reconciliation that God has made through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us as believers in Him, how we have been reconciled to God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, I love the first two words, and Brother Darrell in the Sunday school lesson has already alluded to these two words, and it says, But God, who is abundant in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses, by grace you are saved. I love that verse of Scripture. I love the first two words where it says, but God. And uh, every time I think about that particular passage of Scripture, it was that particular passage of Scripture many years ago. Uh, as I remember in my life, I was a deacon actually at the church before I was uh, I went into the ministry as an assistant pastor and then pastor. And, and we, had, um, we had singers that would come in. We had many concerts and things at our church. And on a kind of a humorous side, this is going to be a little bit humorous, but uh, the singers were singing about this reconciliation that was taking place here in Ephesians chapter number 2. And, and uh, in their song, they got to verse number 4, and they were singing about, but God, but God, but God. And, and it was a wonderful, beautiful song. But you got to understand the area where I was raised, there was a lot of amening going on. Uh, there was a lot of scotching the singers and the preachers in the southern part of the United States and the southeast. I mean, they kind of preach along with you. Uh, they don't, you don't just preach or sing without everybody getting involved. And that's my background. That's how I was raised. I remember the singers were singing about this particular song. And they were singing about this particular verse. And they were going on and on and on about, but God, but God, but God. And beautiful song. Well, someone in our congregation stood up and said, I love those butts. And of course, he was talking about, but God. And I couldn't help but laugh. I couldn't help but chuckle, and I knew exactly what he meant, but it sure didn't come out very good the way he stood up and said he loved those. Anyhow, maybe you had to be there to think that was, that was one of the most, most, most humorous moments in my life as a church leader and as a deacon. I'm trying now to keep the composure of everyone and, and trying to pray this thing down and hope and pray that God deafened the ears of everyone, but his heart was right. Bless his heart. There's, there's another Southern saying, amen. Bless his heart. His heart was right, but uh, it just didn't come out very good. Uh, but anyhow, see, anytime I think about this verse, my mind goes back to, to that incident right there. But uh, don't remember God, okay? It, it is about what God did for us. And this week in our lesson, as we have studied together, we saw five different areas where God was in the process of reconciling us to himself through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Am I too loud out there? Is it okay? All right. Just don't want to be too loud. Look what he said as we look in our notes here. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, we see that our sin created a gap between God and us. I mean, there's a great gulf that's fixed between us and God prior to salvation in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we have studied, and I'm not going to unpack all of this. We've already studied this just as a way of review. Secondly, we see that Jesus Christ bridged the gap between God and us. And thank God for that. All God's people ought to say amen right there. Amen. It's only through the person of Jesus Christ that that gap has been bridged. We also studied this week that good works cannot bridge the gap. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't work your way in. You can't work your way. I mean, it's not about good works. It's about faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourthly, we, we discovered that Christ bridges the gap between races now, in our context of our scripture, he was talking about Jew and Gentile. 
how now they are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in our modern day, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has bridged the gap between races. And we ought to say amen right there. Hello? Thank God that Victory Church is a church that's open to all races. Uh, I don't care what color you are. I don't see your color. I see your heart and I see your soul. And I see someone that Jesus loved and died for. And we welcome you into the family here at Victory Church. And and so we want to look way beyond any type of a race and the color of skin. That's so shallow. We want to get way past that and realize that Jesus Christ has bridged that gap between the races. And then fifthly, we have discovered uh, that Christ made us stones in the building of God's holy temple to realize that we are part of the family of God because we have been reconciled to God. We're part of the building. We're part of the church that God is building. We are a, we are a part of that. And that's a blessing in and of itself as a part of reconciliation. But let me ask you a question. Why is reconciliation important? Why is that important? Well, I want to give you three quick answers. This is all by way of introduction. So, I, as a matter of fact, this is a whole sermon in and of itself, but I can't park here long. But there's three reasons why reconciliation is very important to each and every one of us. Number one, jot this down in your notes, if you will, please. Reconciliation can transform hopeless relationships. It can transform hopeless... I think I got it on the screen, guys. I should have it on there. Reconciliation can transform hopeless... There we go. Hopeless relationships. Now, you realize what takes place whenever God reconciles us to Himself? Our lives are transformed. We are no longer in that hopeless state. But not only is the reconciliation vertical, it's also horizontal. And a great illustration that we have in God's Word is in the book of Philemon where we see that Philemon and Onesimus had a disagreement. And Onesimus was Philemon's slave, and he'd run away. And, and he went to the Apostle Paul, and Apostle Paul ministered to him, and, and he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God used the Apostle Paul to reconcile the relationship between Philemon and, and Onesimus because Onesimus was in a hopeless situation. And of course, as you read that story, it's a beautiful story of reconciliation that was taking place. But it transforms the hopeless relationships that we may have here on earth and of course the hopeless relationship that we would have with God because the only way that we can't have hope in Him is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, jot this down, reconciliation is the central message of the gospel. It's the central message of the gospel. Guys, you realize... As you look at the entire Word of God, as you study from Genesis to Revelation, there is one common thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. Matter of fact, it's a scarlet thread. It's the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the first pro-evangelical in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. That was the first prophecy of this reconciliation that was going to take place. And we find it from Genesis 3.15 all the way through the, the entire Word of God to the book of Revelation. And that scarlet thread is the bloodline of Christ. You know what He's doing? He's reconciling mankind to God the Father through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So reconciliation is the entire central theme, the central message of the entire Word of God. Let me read to you the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Follow along with me in your Bibles or in your notes this morning. It says, From now on then we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know Him like that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. 
Now everything is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, now pay attention to this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. This is a key phrase, and as we see that this is the central message through the entire Word of God, I want you to know what that message is. It's the message of reconciliation, and it's the ministry that we as believers in Jesus Christ, every one of us are to have that ministry. Do you realize that once Christ has has accepted you into the family of God, once you have been born again, once you become a believer in Christ Jesus, you now have a ministry, and that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What we are to be doing is reconciling people to God. I mean, that's our calling. Our calling strictly is evangelism. Hello? I mean, that's what God has called every single one of us to do, to tell a lost and dying world how they can be in a right relationship with God the Father. And that's through the ministry of reconciliation and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of times we as believers, we like to pick and choose what we want to do for ministry. And a lot of times we'll say, you know, I just don't have the ministry of, or the gift of evangelism. Or I just don't think God's calling me into that area to share my faith. Listen, you don't have a choice in the matter. God said your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Where you are to be reconciling on behalf of God because you are His ambassador. A lost and a dying world to God the Father through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, guys, that's the whole reason we even have a church. Hello? That's the whole reason that Victory Church exists, is to introduce people to Jesus and bring them into a right relationship with Him so that they can have a blessed life, not only here on this earth, but, of course, in heaven. It's the central message, and it's the central ministry of us as believers. Thirdly, jot this one down. Reconciliation heals broken relationships. Oh, thank God for that. It heals broken relationships. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, Jesus gives us some guidelines that deal with those individuals that have sinned against us on a personal level. The horizontal type relationship. Now, before I start unpacking Matthew chapter uh, number 18, I want you to understand about two or three things. Number one, this passage of Scripture is meant for Christians and not unbelievers. Okay? This passage of Scripture is meant for Christians, not unbelievers. second thing I want you to understand, this passage of Scripture are for those that have sinned or committed some type of sin or fault against us as individuals, not on behalf of someone else. This particular passage is dealing with us on an individual basis. And thirdly, I want you to understand that conflict resolution is within the context of the church. This conflict resolution that's taking place, this reconciliation that's taking place, it's within the context of the local church. Now, a lot of times, I don't, I mean, it may, but, but it's not intended to work out in the community, out in the secular world. The Lord put together a whole nother program for that. He put together a whole nother way of dealing with that. But this is within the context of the local church. Guys, do you realize that we're to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation one with another? 
So not only do we see that this reconciliation is vertical, it's also horizontal. And I believe this is what we're talking about here in Matthew 18. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. You need to get a hold of this. This is where I will spend the rest of my time this morning. And then I want us to read, if we will, together. And I've got it on the screen for you and in your notes, simply so we can read it in unison. But I want us to read together Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. You open up your Bible so you can see it there and you can write and take some notes and highlight a few things there. But let's read this together, if we will. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now I want to talk to you this morning on seven steps to reconciliation. Seven steps to reconciliation. My key verse is going to be Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. And that's going to be a key passage of Scripture. And it's going to be where we're going to pull these seven steps out of on how we are to be reconciled one with another. Now let me just say this. Let me call a timeout go to a commercial. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want you almost to totally ignore the rest of what I'm going to say and I want you to think about that because that's where it must begin. You must have and you must be in a right relationship with God the Father before you can ever be in right relationships one with another. Hello? God is love, right? And there is no way that I can know how to love my brother or my sister or my fellow man unless I know God Himself who is love. I mean, the flesh, the carnal life is going to keep getting in the way as I try to live in harmony one with another. Okay? So if you're here this morning you've never accepted Christ, I want you to stop right there and I want you to think about your life and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of our service today to, to, to accept Christ and enter into that relationship with Him. Okay? The rest of what I'm going to say this morning is going to be for us as believers, for us as Christians. You see, our vertical relationship that we have really determines what type of a relationship we're going to have on the horizontal level. And the horizontal relationships that we have is a tremendous indicator of what kind of vertical relationship we have with God the Father. I mean, you can't have one without the other. Hello? You just can't do it. I mean, don't tell me you love God, but, but hate fellow man. Now, I know that's hard, but don't tell me that because it really is a signal of what your heartbeat is between you and God. Now, let me say something else, just, just by a lands and foundation before we get into this. I want you to understand that forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation, nor does recon reconciliation, nor is it always possible or available. Simply because someone's been forgiven doesn't mean they've been reconciled. There's a difference. Nor is reconciliation always possible on the horizontal level between you and someone else. 
For instance, let's just say that as a child you were abused in whatever way by a parent or an aunt and an uncle or a sibling or someone else. And that parent or that sibling or that aunt and uncle or whatever the case may be has passed away. Listen, there is no reconciliation that's going to be able to take place there. Right? So what must take place is forgiveness. Now, the reconciliation hasn't taken place, but forgiveness must take place in your life in order for you to live the rest of your life in a healthy manner. Do you understand that? So don't get the two confused. There's reconciliation and then there's forgiveness. But I want you to know that the Bible says, by all means, it teaches, by all means, as far as it depends on you. Everybody point to yourself and say, as far as it depends on me. Say that. I'm to be reconciled with my brother. Meaning horizontal relationships. Okay? That's our responsibilities as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let's jump right into these real quickly as we look in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. Let's look at the verse, if you will, first of all. Just this one verse. I want you to understand that this one verse is easy enough to memorize. But oh, my friends, it is deep enough to change your life forever. It's a simple verse, very easy to memorize, but deep enough and strong enough and profound enough that it can change your life. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Let's all read it together. I don't think everybody was reading with me last time when I was reading, so let's all read this together. Okay, here we go. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother. What a strong, what a profound passage of Scripture. As we're talking about reconciliation, as that is our theme today, I want to focus on the reconciliation on the horizontal level. And understanding that the horizontal relationships that we have and the vertical relationships that we have, they profoundly interconnect one with another. Okay? Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you got all against your brother, you know the scripture? He said, if you got all against your brother, and all of a sudden you may be coming to church on Sunday morning, and think, oh, I'm going to go to church, and I'm just going to worship, and we're just going to have a sweet time, and man, we're going to sing songs, and we're going to listen to the message. And, and all of a sudden, God reminds you, that in your heart, in your spirit, things are not right between you and someone else, possibly in the church, or you and someone else, possibly outside the church, but you and someone else in the church. You know what God tells you to do? He said, don't go worship. Don't go worship. Listen, there's no way in the world we can worship God if our heart's not right one with another. Did anybody hear what I just said? You see, what we need to do is get off our spiritual high horses and quit pretending that we come in here and everything is fun, everything is well, ignoring the conflicts that may take place one with another and come in here and try to worship God. It ain't, and I know that's not good preach, it's not good grammar, but it makes for good preaching. Listen, it ain't going to happen. You can't worship God and not be in harmony, live in harmony with your brother and sister in Christ Jesus. Everybody smile. You're so much prettier when you smile because I'm getting some mean looks from some. Listen, I love you today and I'm here to try to help you. You want to live a blessed life, you've got to learn to live in harmony one with another. 
Hello? All right, let's go quickly. Matter of fact, uh, some of what I'm sharing with you is going to be from John Ortberg's book entitled Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. (laughs) That's the title of his book. Wonderful book. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then you discover that everybody that you know is dysfunctional. Have you discovered that? Yeah, I've discovered that. And I know you're probably upset. He knows me. I know you're dysfunctional. And you know me and you know I'm dysfunctional. Hello? We all got skeletons in the closets. We all got dysfunctional families. Smile. You're so much prettier when you're smiling. So let me share with you real quickly. Seven steps to reconciliation. Number one, jot this down. Listen, guys, when you get done with these sermon notes, you need to put it somewhere where you can get a hold of it. You may need to write it in the fly leaf of your Bible because I promise you, you will have to come back to this at one point or another in your life. Number one step to reconciliation is to admit that there is a conflict. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, if your brother sins against you, You know what Jesus was doing? He was being polite. He was being so nice. He was being so optimistic. If your brother... Jesus, hey, we have conflicts. Do we not? So the first thing that we've got to do is admit that we have a conflict. So what we need to say is when you have a conflict... You see, one thing we need to understand is that... And one thing you need to understand, we all need to be able to say is, I'm not okay. I mean, I got junk in my trunk. Hello? I mean, I know that I'm not a perfect individual, and I try my best to get up here and be as transparent as I can possibly be. I don't try to get up here and talk like, no, God said. You've heard those preachers that they, they take on an entirely different persona in the pulpit than what they have out in the common world. It's like when they put the clerical collar on something, change. be who you are. Listen, we're all humans. Hello? We're all sinners saved by the grace of God and thank God for that. But but none of us are perfect. So what we need to realize is that we have conflict. I'm not okay. You're not okay. We're not okay. We have issues from time to time and we need to unpack those and we need to stay in harmony one with another. Don't come to church and act like everything's okay when you know it's not. Admit that you have a conflict. What happens when you get two messed up people together? I mean, both of them totally messed up, and you get them together. You know what you're going to have? Conflict. Let me ask you a question. What do you call a whole, what do you call a whole assembly of messed up people that come together on Sunday morning? Whew! Man, you call that a church. And you get a whole bunch of messed up people that come together and assemble together on Sunday morning, and we're all r- wicked, vile sinners. I mean, if left to ourselves, we would destroy ourselves. And you get us all coming together. You know what you're going to have? A whole lot of conflict. Hello? So what do we do when that takes place? Jesus has given us. It's so simple. It's almost insulting. The pattern, the steps that he gives us for taking care of this stuff. Number one is admit that there's a conflict. Listen, guys, you're going to have some conflicts. You're going to have some conflicts right in the middle of this church, one with another. You're going to have some conflicts in your small groups. You're going to have some conflicts in your family. You're going to have some conflicts in the workplace. How many has ever had a conflict in the workplace? Hello? You're going to have some conflicts in your social life. You're going to have some conflicts within your family. How many has ever had a conflict in your family? 
Boy, I wish I would live where some of you are because some of you hadn't raised your hand yet. You're living under a rock is what you're doing. You're going, I'm going to hit you on my next point here in just a minute. But we must admit that there is a conflict. Let me ask you a question. Don't you sometimes... I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent as I know to be this morning. And I hope you don't think ill of me for doing this. But doesn't it just irritate the devil out of you? Which may be a good thing. <laughs> but doesn't it just irritate you to death when you're around some people that just never see the problem? Huh? I, no, there ain't no problem. There is a problem. We've got a problem. There ain't no problem. I never see a problem. I mean, they're so naive to everything going. There's a problem, dude. There is an elephant in the room. We've got to talk about it. We've got to deal with it. We've got to admit that we have conflicts. I mean, the first step in reconciliation, the first step to anything is admit that there's a problem. The first step to reconciliation is we've got to admit that we have conflict. You see, if you get one or the other party not admitting that, you're in stalemate. I mean, you're not going to be able to move anywhere in that relationship until we both admit that there's a problem. Step number one, small but it's important. Number two is this, jot this one down. You, write down the word you, you must initiate reconciliation. Don't wait on the other person. If you know there's an issue, then you must go to that individual. Look what Jesus said. He's talking in the first person. He said, if your brother sins against you, go. Who's to go? The brother that sinned against me? No, Jesus is saying that you are to be the one that initiates the reconciliation. Don't put it off until tomorrow. Don't sit around with wishful thinking, hoping that magically, mysteriously, somehow it will all go away. You know, a lot of times we may prefer to stay in isolation, just licking our wounds, sitting under our little juniper bush and saying, woe is me. Everybody hates me. Everybody's out to get me. Blah, blah, blah. We're feeling sorry for ourselves, and then we just let that ooze out and we get everybody else feeling sorry for ourselves. And then I think sometimes our intent is that we can get everybody being sympathetic towards us because we have... Jesus said, if someone's hurt, you go to them. You, you initiate the reconciliation. I told you, it's very simple. I, once again, it's so simple, it's almost insulting the way Jesus says this. It's not insulting, it don't insinuate I said it was, it's just so simple. You must go and do something about it. You're the one that's responsible for reconciliation to take place. And number three, jot this one down. This is a one-word point here. Go. Just Go. Jesus said, if your brother has sinned against you, go. Go and show him his fault. Listen, guys, going is necessary. Let me tell you something. It's not fun, is it? Going is not fun, but it's necessary. If I'm going to live in harmony with my brother, then I must go. Now, let me give you a word of warning. Some people love to go if they're going into a battle instead of reconciliation. Now, we're not to be going to go fight. That's not our purpose in going. We're not going to be in a battle 
We're going to try to work towards reconciliation. We're going in a spirit of a peacemaker. We're not going to make war. Okay? So, when someone sinned against you, we've got to go and start the process of reconciliation. Number four, jot this one down. Step number four in reconciliation is you go to the person. Go to that particular person that has wronged you. I chuckle at this one sometimes when I think about it. You see, we don't have any problem admitting there's a conflict. and We really don't even have much problem in involving ourselves and realizing that I've got to do something. And we may not have much of a conflict or a problem when we're talking about going, oh, we're happy to go. But the problem is we talk to everybody in the world about the conflict except the person that can resolve the conflict. We talk to everybody in the world about the person that has offended us instead of calling up that person and saying, hey, can I talk with you? And we're going in the spirit of pe- as a peacemaker. We're not going into war. We're not going into battle. But unfortunately, we talk to everybody else. Everyone else. We'll talk to our spouse. We'll talk to our pastor. We'll talk to the hairstylist. We'll, we'll talk to the barber at the barbershop. We'll talk to anybody that would give us a listening ear, whether it be a co-worker. We'll talk to everyone. We'll unpack it in our small groups. Hello? God help us. Where are we to go when there's a conflict? To the person. I remind you again what Jesus said. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Where are we to go? To that individual. To that person is where we're to go. Okay? Everybody got that? All right, let's move on. Step number six. How are we to go? Go to the person in private. Go to the per. I'm sorry, step number five. Go to the person in private. You need to be careful here. You need to be sure that you go in a way that guards the other person's reputation. Okay? Because once reconciliation is made, you don't want to have destroyed the individual. Okay? So you need to go in private. Go in a way that will free that individual to be opened and to be honest and to be real with you. Go in a way that the matter can be settled. Go in a way that you can leave hugging each other and and embracing one another and shaking hands and saying, God bless you. Now, the natural, I mean, it it may just happen that, that your lives separate. But at least the reconciliation has been made to where you know everything's taken care of. I've forgiven you. You've forgiven me. We love each other. We're praying for each other. We're here if you need me. But whatever the case, our roads may lead us different ways. But at least we need to go to that individual in private. We're not to air this out. Even in just a moment when I go through the steps... We're not to air this out in front of the whole church. It's to be done where? In private. With that individual. Number six, get this one. In reconciliation, you must discuss the problem. Whenever you get together, listen guys, you've already, you've already made it the hard, you've really already come through the hardest part. Admitting there's a conflict, deciding that you must initiate the reconciliation, deciding that you're going to go, You're going to meet with that person. You're going to meet in private. Once you get there, don't spend a lot of time talking about the weather. Don't talk about the cardinals or the rams. 
Don't talk about the church and where the church may or may not be headed. Get together and talk about the issue. Talk about the problem. Talk about the elephant that's in the room. Matter of fact, communication experts talk about the 10% rule. And they talk about how people get together in conversations or, or when they're confronting one another with a problem and they talk about everything else except the main heart of the problem. They fail to go the final 10% of the way and talk about the issue. You see, it's almost like running a marathon, but just deciding you're not going to run the last mile of the marathon. Did you run the marathon? If you don't run the last mile, you have not ran, you did not run the marathon and finish it, did you? And whenever we get together, we need to discuss the problem. Get all the way to the end of the issue, the end of the matter, and talk about it. You know, a lot of times we, we need to, um, as, as we discuss the problem, we need, we need to decide in our mind that we are going to go all the way. You know, whenever I think about that, I think about Chris Berman and ESPN Sports Center. You know, well, what is his famous phrase? He could go all the way. Yeah, you ESPN junkies out there, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever we get into this conflict resolution, whenever we get into this time of reconciliation, we need to decide in our heart and our mind that we're going to go all the way and we're going to talk about this and we're going to unpack it. Let me give you the seventh and the final step. And it's almost a no-brainer. But I want you to understand the purpose is reconciliation. The purpose is reconciliation. The hope, the prayer, the point, the purpose is reconciliation. It's to be restored into a right and open and trusting and honest relationship with that individual. That's the purpose. Not to attack, not to tear down. Not to argue, not to fight, not to destroy one's character. The purpose in going is reconciliation. Now, does reconciliation always happen? Unfortunately, it doesn't. And Jesus told us what we're to do when that does not happen. I want you to notice what he says first of all. First of all, we're to go one-on-one -on -one to that individual. And if we fail there, as with Scripture we read earlier, if we fail if reconciliation does not take place in the one-on-one, then we're to take two or three as witnesses. Just to validate the situation. It's still done in private. We're still going as a peacemaker. We're trying to reconcile this thing. We're trying to get into a right relationship one with another. And then if that can't take place, Jesus says you're to go to the church and talk to the church. Now... Let me tell you what I am not saying, hoping you understand it, but I want to say it and be very clear. He is not saying that you come to a worship service on Sunday morning and sometime in the service that you decide to stand up and call someone out for something they did to you and you bring the whole matter up before the entire church. Listen, that's being disruptive. That's being disrespectful to God and others. That is not the way you handle it. You remember, it's still handled in private. Hello? So what you do, you go, when it's talking about going to the church, you're going to the leadership of the church. Now, in our particular church, we have assigned everyone in our church a deacon. That's where you would go. You would go to your deacon in private. 
If you don't know who your deacon is, email us and we'll let you know. It's alphabetically A through such and such is one deacon, such and such to another is another. That's how we pick them. Okay? That's how you, that's who you go to. You go to that deacon, that deacon then comes to our leadership team with you. We all get involved and we try to fix the issue. And the main goal and intent, once again, is in peace and just reconcile so that we can live in harmony one with another. Not a whole lot of preaching like this going on on Sunday mornings. Because it's not really a feel-good message. Because none of us like to be in these areas where we have conflict one with another. But we are so naive if we think that we're going to live our life together, get to know each other, do ministry together, and not have some conflict. They're going to come. We're going to have conflict. So what do we do? Jesus gave us the guidelines. So may I ask you a question this morning? First of all, how is your relationship on a vertical basis? How is your relationship between you and God? And then secondly, how is your relationship horizontally? How is your relationship between one another? Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Are there any relationships in your life that need to be restored? If so, I want to encourage you, as our theme this week is reconciliation, and I try to put it down where the rubber meets the road, in the area where we all live, is there a relationship in your life that needs to be restored? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, as we prepare a song of invitation this morning, how's things with you? How are things in your life? How is your relationship between you and God? Is it where it needs to be? How is your relationship one with another? Are they where they need to be? Because they work together. I wonder as we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and we're doing business with God this morning. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, may I ask you this morning to open up your heart's door and allow Him to come in and have that relationship with you. Just realize that you've sinned and your sins, like all of our sins, separate us from God. But Christ Jesus has bridged that gap. He died on the cross for you. And you can be in a right relationship with God the Father today. And it's only when you admit that you're a sinner, repent, confess your sins to Him, and invite Him into your heart and into your life and begin that relationship with Him. If that's you this morning, we want to pray for you. We want to help you. And our deacons and their wives are in place this morning to pray with you and to help you. And if you're here today and you'd like either one to accept Christ as your Savior or maybe rededicate your life to Christ this morning, I'm just going to ask you in a moment, not right now, we just get up out of your seat, walk to the back or to the side to one of these families and they're here to pray with you and to help you in that area. 
Each one of them can lead you to Christ. They can share with you how you can be a believer in Christ and have a right standing in relationship with Him. The second area, what about horizontally? How is your relationship with your brother or your sister? How are things between you? If the Lord has put His finger on a conflict or an issue, maybe, just maybe, you need to go to that person. In private. And ask if you can meet with them. So if you need prayer this morning, you need help, we're here to help you as well. We're here to encourage you and pray with you, support you, as we all try to live in harmony, one with another. Father, we commit this time to you. Dear Lord, as we've dealt with a topic that God sometimes is difficult. And maybe the reason it's difficult is we let pride get in the way. Father, I pray that first of all we all would be reconciled unto you. I ask you, dear Lord, to speak to our hearts and draw us into yourself. But then may we also experience reconciliation one with another. May we learn how to be a people that lives in harmony. None of us are perfect. None of us are flawless. None of us have it all together. We all have imperfections in our love. May we be gracious towards one another. May we be considerate of one another. May we exemplify and show love one towards another. But God, if there is an elephant in the room, if there is an issue, help us to go in love and peace discuss that and be reconciled one to another so that we can live in harmony. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's sing with Wayne as he leads.